Well, hey there, mamas. Welcome back to another episode of the Working Mama podcast. Hope you are actually doing well. If you're in Melbourne, uh, it's definitely a, a different world at the moment of wearing face masks and homeschooling for everyone. So I just want to do a quick shout out for all my Melbourne mamas. I hope you're doing well. I know homeschooling is not great. Uh, so certainly go easy on yourself um, and, and also your little ones and uh, I'm sure you'll get through it. Um, and also if you're not used to wearing a face mask, there's many different hacks of socks I've also seen that you can use of, with face masks. So best of luck uh, for everyone out there and across Australia and the world, stay safe uh, from this coronavirus. Today I have with me on the podcast, Anne Koopman. Anne is a coach um, and ex-engineer and we have um, done a number of collabs already together and this podcast is another one of them. And Anne today talks about strengths and really leaning in and embracing your strengths because there's so much about that we're taught even from a young age to think about your weaknesses and constantly try and improve those when really you're only going to make such a small change in that that you can't be good at everything. So also as mamas, generally we don't embrace our strengths as it is. So it's really important to identify, know our strengths and really hone in on work on those. Um, and then because with the strengths and the better you get at your strengths, the more confidence you're going to have. So for example, I'm not great at physics, so there's no point in me even trying to be an engineer because it's just not my strengths. But say, for example, IT, marketing, that's more my niche spot. And so I'm fine with that. I can keep embracing those, that knowledge, that interest, and then I will um, get better at those so then my strengths improve and also then as a result, my confidence. So really today's podcast is helping you lean in and embrace your strengths. So I really hope that you enjoy this chat with Anne. Welcome to the Working Mama podcast, Anne. Thank you so much for having me. So let's get into it. And how would you best describe yourself? Well, that's a good question. Um, so yes, I'm a mom of an almost two-year-old. Um, two weeks time, he will turn two. I think that's a very defining feature for sure. Um, and then in general, you know, I think I'm a very passionate overthinker. Um, I always want to do things the best way. I'm very passionate in general. I'm very energetic. I love to challenge myself and step out of the comfort zone. Um, I've done lots of different adventurous things um, like bungee jumps and skydives, but also with regards to my professional career, I always kind of put myself out there to grow and learn. And um, yeah, I think that kind of sums it up. I'm perfectly imperfect, as I like to say. What a great way of summarizing it. And so everyone has a completely different career path. What would you say has been yours? So mine has been, um, yeah, very different uh, lately, as of lately, but how I started, so I grew up in Germany, um, so I'm German and I went to high school there and also university and I'm actually an engineer. So I studied a double degree in engineering and business management. And in Germany, uh, back then, the degrees were a little bit different. So it's a master equivalent. So I studied for six years and I, yeah, my major was manufacturing engineering, actually. So during my studies, I did two internships with the, in the automotive industry. 
And then after my uh, degree, after I finished, I started to work with a rail company, Bombardier. It's one of the biggest rail manufacturers for trains and trams. And I started as part of a global graduate program, which I was really interested in because it would allow me to, you know, move for three different assignments to three different countries. And so I applied. It was a very competitive process, but I got through. And then I got to work in Berlin for six months and then moved to Canada for six months and then to the US for another six months. And that was really exciting. And then I, uh, my dream was always to come and live in Australia because um, during my studies, I also did a semester abroad here for six months in Brisbane. And I always had dreamed of coming back and living here. I fell in love with Australia. And um, so I managed inside the company to kind of find the right connections that um, got me a job here after I finished with the graduate program. And so all, over eight years ago, I actually moved to Melbourne and been with the company, uh, stayed with them for until last year and um, had a really uh, successful career. I stayed because I, every one and a half years I got a promotion, I got to try something new. I learned new things all the time, so it never got boring. I was always constantly challenged and I grew a lot as a leader and as a person. And um, yeah, so that was really good. So I pretty much stayed with one company for the majority of the time. And then I had my son two years ago. And last year I decided to start my own business. And that's mainly because while I was working um, and even though I enjoyed working in the rail industry and as an engineer, and I think I'll always be an engineer at heart, I really realized for myself that when I started to manage team leads and managers, that I really enjoyed the process of coaching them and helping them to become good leaders, helping them building their confidence, helping them coming up with their communication strategies. And I'm very passionate about understanding what makes people tick. And I'm always really good at, I know intuitively what people need and where they're coming from. So their reasons for behaving in a certain way. So I always found it fascinating to help my people that reported to me to help them understand themselves better to then also help them understand the others better and find ways to come together and lead with success. And so, yeah, I kind of had that on my mind, but I never really felt like it was something possible for me to start my own business. And I guess when you become a mom, things change, um, perspectives change. And yeah, somehow a year ago, I thought, you know what, I'll just have to give this a go now. Why not? Let's try. And yeah, it's been pretty much 12 months now uh, as we record this. And yeah, it's been going really well. And so now I work with individuals and teams and organizations. And um, it's all around empowering uh, courageous leaders and to show up with authenticity, uh, lead with courage and uh, vulnerability and really lead with their strength. That must be such a change. But I guess, as you've said, you've had such a diverse background. And also now in the engineering world, that can also really help with your problem solving. And then from a coaching perspective, it's just a different angle, uh, but really helping others thrive and grow. Totally. I think the whole coaching aspect is what I've done for 10 years in my business. Um, I was always a mentor naturally for, for others. People came to me for advice. And then obviously, as soon as I started to lead teams, um, that's just how, you know, naturally I have, that's the leader I was. Um, not so much because I had the most experience in the industry. It was more that I had a really good knack of getting the best out of people. Um, so I, I guess I've been doing that for a long time. 
And with regards to figuring out how to run a business, I think that the engineering skills actually helped. And what you just said with regards to problem solving, uh, I think that really helped me and enabled me to figure all this out. Because suddenly when you're, you know, when you're a solopreneur, you have to figure out everything yourself from how to, you know, how to edit videos, how to do marketing, social media, how to create online platforms and courses and web page design and how to, you know, how to do sales, how to get leads. And so you have to figure that all out. And I think this whole resilience you learn as an engineer around problem solving and figuring out who can help you and building, coming and putting your team together in a sense that you know who to talk to and you build connections and relationships that can help you figure things out. I think that's what I learned throughout my career and that has helped me now in my business. Yeah, definitely. This is applying the skills in many different ways. This isn't something that we were was scripted or we're going to talk about, but just quickly, if there's any mamas out there that are returning to the workforce um, and actually thinking of making a pivot, what advice would you give them? Just do it. <clears throat> don't, um, don't overthink it. I think in general, you just have to trust yourself um, and just figure it out. Allow yourself to just trial it out. And I would say, you know, of course, it depends also financially if you're in a position to to give it a go or if you have to start it up first, like a little bit on the side. Um, I think there's different approaches. If you if you if you need your corporate salary, uh, then go back. Maybe you can reduce the hours and then just work a little bit on the side and think about what you want to do. There's lots of uh, great ideas that you can do really well on the side. I know, Karina, you're doing your your project with uh, working mama on the side and um, I think that can work really well and then you can start to grow and build and if you feel like it's getting traction then just put a um, you know put a timeline in, in place I would always recommend though to at some point just jump because I think it will never 100% work if you don't give it your full attention and if you don't have a little bit of this risk and challenge and this feeling like okay I have to make this work now because that urgency will create the energy you need to really make it work yeah that's such great advice and I think as well on that making that jump, um, as we talked about, it's probably about a bit of a mindset shift and also around confidence. Now, as working mums, we talk about resilience and confidence and being able to do that, not only if you're going to start your own business, but also having these skills uh, as being a mum and also about being an employee. And as recently when we did our Facebook Live, those themes also certainly came through. Are you able to explain about the strengths and the confidence and give some insights into these as well? Of course, yeah. So I think in general, you know, I think the very first advice is for any mom thinking about returning to work or being at work and, you know, not quite sure if it's the right thing or what they should be doing. I think first of all, it is to take ownership of your own life and to just realize that it's your choice. What you do is your choice. And even if you are, if you went back to a job and you're not 100% happy, just t t still change your mindset around it and tell yourself it was a choice because you made that choice, right? You went back for certain reasons. Maybe the job gave you a lot of flexibility. Maybe the job, you know, is it's a good salary that you needed. Maybe you didn't have the energy to look for new jobs while you were also figuring out how to be a mom. So you make the choice to go back. Nobody makes you do that, right? So I think if we shift that mindset, that already empowers you because you are in control. So it's this whole thing about your locus of control. Is it an internal one or an external one? 
and internal means that you know that your success is based on your own capabilities and also your actions. And of course, that doesn't mean that everything that happens to you is your responsibility. Of course, it's not right because there's other people out there. There's things that happen to you, but you are responsible for how you react and how you let that affect you. So if you keep in mind that it's your choice based on whatever reasons you have at that point, that already makes you feel way more empowered. And then when we look at the, the thing with the confidence, right, of course, confidence is really important to show up wherever we are in our job as a mom, um, in, in, you know, if we have our own business, confidence is a big thing. And it really comes down to trusting your own abilities. And, you know, what we talked about in the masterclass is that the whole strengths approach, the, you know, the theory behind us is that our biggest room for success is actually if we focus on our strengths and not try and fix our weaknesses. So we are from a young age, we're trained to look at our weaknesses, you know, our parents, that's what they were taught. So we go to school and we have to make sure we, you know, we do really well in all subjects. And if we come home and one subject didn't go so well in a term, you know, we, we are meant to suddenly put a lot of more work into that, right? So we have to do, maybe go to get tutoring, do more homework. Our parents will make us or force us to spend a lot of time on this subject, which, you know, is well intended because they want us to do well. However, of course, we got to manage it. We can't fail. We need to pass the grade. But, you know, you can just manage it to a certain level. You don't have to be good in everything. And rather than trying to focus and spend all our time and energy to fix something that we're just naturally not good at, it is way better if we spend all that energy into our talents and grow these strengths so that we get to know our strengths really, really well and we get really confident in owning them. And another important thing as women, we are sometimes shy to own our strengths, you know, because we may be afraid that we'll get judged or people think we're arrogant. And I think it's really important that we learn to just be proud of our strength and voice it out loud and say it out loud. So with my clients, when we do the strength work, I make them say it out loud. There's lots of different exercises where I get them to summarize their strength or make a strength statement and a strength promise to themselves. How will they use their strength? Uh, we, there's, uh, you know, methodologies of how we can prepare certain statements and certain things that they can go with and talk to their manager and say, you know, this is what I'm really good at. This is what I promise to you. You can count on me to deliver that. But in turn, this is what I need from you because every strength needs a certain environment to thrive and a certain way a role is shaped. And I think just starting to own your strength, you are much better to voice that to others, to show others what you need. And in return, you can tell others really clearly what it is they will get from you in that perspective. And knowing that, you know, then also comes the confidence. And because we, you know, imposter syndrome is a big problem, especially for women. And we often think that, you know, people will figure out that we're just a fraud and that we, you know, we don't have what it takes and uh, they will just, you know, they will find out, they will know. And then suddenly, you know, they know all our failures and that we're not good enough for the role. And, or we just, sometimes we think people are just out there to, you know, to get us and to, to figure out the little things when we stuff up. Once you're confident about your strengths, then, you know, you're not scared of that anymore because you know what you're good at, you know your contribution, and you know what makes you special and unique. And then you also know the things that you're naturally not so good at, but they don't scare you anymore. You know, you can then say, I'm really not good at doing all the detail nitty gritty. I'm not good at concentrating for a long, uh, you know, time frame. I'm not good at uh, doing small talk with a lot of people that drains my energy. Uh, but I, if I have deep connections and I can talk for hours and explain things really well, you know, so it's not just about introverts, extroverts, it's how, how do we get our energy 
by how do we do the work best. And so it's not that we ignore weaknesses, it's we become aware of them and we find out ways um, to manage around them so they don't hold us back. But it's not about spending time worrying about weaknesses and wasting energy on that. That's such a good response. And I really love how that you acknowledge the biological differences between males in the workplace that know their strengths and they really lean into it and embrace it. And that's what is really interesting. People go, oh, yeah, he's confident. He knows what he's doing. But then conversely, when females do exactly the same thing, the mental attitude towards her is different. Everyone has a different view of the male versus female difference and about leaning into those strengths. Totally. And that's where a bit of unconscious bias comes into place, right? And we have that as women too, right? We judge other women totally different than we judge other men. So it's not just that men judge us in a certain way. It's also that we kind of grow up and we learn to think if there's a really confident woman, we look at him and we're like, oh my God, she's so full of herself. You know, like I... We all have that too, right? So it's important that we understand also it's not men versus women. It's we all have these unconscious biases towards other people based on gender, age, race, you know, culture, backgrounds, whatever it is. And so it's really important to acknowledge that too. But yes, you're right. Like with re- with regards to how we position ourselves, there's, there is there might be people who react to it in a certain way. But that's because they all don't have they haven't done the inner work yet. So if you show up in your strength and people perceive you or say, oh, my God, you're so full of yourself, you know better because you it won't affect you as well because you're like, no, I'm not arrogant. You know, I just know myself. I know my strengths. This is not arrogance. I actually do something good for you because if I know my strengths, I can tell you and that makes your job easier too. So you actually, you know, you're not doing it to, you know, take over and, um, I don't know, think like you're the best of everybody. It's just that you think, I know what I'm um, good at. I can tell you. So even if people then perceive you, you can start to see, okay, they just don't get it yet. That's okay. And so you can go and look at them with empathy and be like, okay, they're judging me, but I know they're judging me because they don't know better. Yeah, that's also like you were saying about knowing your weaknesses and also acknowledging them, that even from a young age, that it's okay to not be as good at maths, for example, and have that as a weakness, then conversely, you actually might be great at English. And rather than actually looking that as a weakness or not, of actually, you know, being not so good at maths, but then also then embracing um, English, I think it's also about you know, it's not saying that you're bad or good or anything like that. It's just you can't be great at everything. Um, I might not be great at cooking or kicking a football, but it might be that I'm better at copywriting, for example. And I think also that um, as in society, everyone expects that everyone is going to be great at everything. But we've got billions of people in this world and we all can't be great at the same thing. 100%. And that's exactly what I, you know, what I was hinting at before. It is, you know, this motion of looking at weaknesses and fixing weaknesses and that fixing weaknesses leads to success. That's a very old school thinking that we all grow up with. So even if our parents were leading us in that way, you know, they didn't know better. That's how they were taught. That's how they were, uh, you know, raised. So I think it's about we can change that now for us and our children. You know, we can look at our children and start to help them to spend more time in their strengths. So, you know, research has shown that if we spend more time in our strengths every day and if we get to use our strengths every day, that we are way less stressed, we're happier in life, we're more productive and hence also more successful because things just come easier to us and we have more energy to put into these things. And in return, you will have more energy for every aspect of your life. And um, so instead of looking at our weaknesses, it will just drain us. 
if we ha if we were forced to do stuff that just doesn't come easily. So you will see maybe with, you know, if, if some in your community have kids that are in school, you know, you will probably notice that if you if they need to do math and it doesn't come easy, it will drain their energy. And of course, it's important that they somehow get it and they somehow figure out how to pass. But, you know, try and find a way to lighten it up for them. Don't expect that it comes easy to everybody. It just doesn't. And be okay with that, you know, show appreciation and give them appreciation for what they do really well, because that's how we, you know, how we can um, encourage all of us. We need to recognize what's good with people and not what's bad. Like somehow our society, whether it is our strengths at work, whether it's body image, you know, we always just focus on what's wrong. And I think that's just, yeah, it's just so limiting and it's also very sad. So I think it's really important that we embrace what's good at others. And if we embrace that with ourselves first, then again, we can see it in others. And this whole like, you know, jealousy, judging other people, it all goes away because there's no reason when, you know, we judge people because we, we, we feel like there's a threat, right? We judge people very quickly when we enter a room. It's natural. Our brain does it without us even noticing because our brain wants to level if we're safe in that room. You know, so we, we enter a room and we right away look at, okay, who's in this room? What do they look like? What do they talk? You know, who might they be? Am I kind of better than them? So that way we kind of try to level up where we stand to feel safe and to feel confident because we're like, okay, like these look a bit weird. Uh, this is okay. I can feel confident now. Like I'm better than them. Kind of, you know, that's probably a bit extreme spoken, but that happens in our brain because it's like a safety mechanism. And we just kind of need to challenge that ourselves because it's not necessary anymore if we start to really start the work with ourselves because then we don't see anyone else or anyone else's light as a threat anymore because we know we have our own light and we can start to admire somebody else's light and think, wow, look how amazing they are at this. And that's cool because I'm super amazing at the other thing. You mentioned about working on your inner self first. So what are some tips and strategies that people can do to start to recognize those strengths and then to embrace them and ultimately grow in confidence by having uh, done that work? So I, I would, you need to be open for inner work first. Um, you need to start to learn to be self-aware. And for some people, it comes quite natural. And in general, I mean, I don't really like generalizations, but in general, women are a little bit better at self-awareness because they are taught that from a young age to kind of reflect and be a little bit more, you know, self-reflective, self-aware. Um, so a lot of women, it comes a little bit more natural, but that still doesn't mean that we are open to really see things, how things are. So I think it's important to figure out how do we like to reflect, you know, some people like to journal and, you know, just like to write from a young age. They're always written things down. Some people like to talk. Um, I'm not really a good journal person. I do it from time to time when I want to release something and it just flows. But if I I've tried several times to, you know, set up this morning routine that everybody's talking about and, you know, get up early, write my journal. It just doesn't it doesn't give me energy. So because it doesn't give me energy, I can't keep it up. It doesn't work for me. It works really great for others and fantastic. For me, I know that I reflect best by talking to people, um, talking to my husband, talking to my friends. And now, you know, with my business, I've made new friends that are in the business world as well, talking to them because they understand my challenges. So for me, I need people to talk to. And often it's also with my husband, for example, he knows it really well already. Um, I need to sometimes just talk things out loud. I actually don't even need him to respond or have any advice. I just need to be able to ramble off. And while I do that, I make massive connections in my brain and I have really big reflection. I'm like, oh my God, of course, that's why I re reacted to this. Like that was my trigger. Oh my God, now I get it. I need to say it out loud. So figure out what helps you to reflect. 
and then just make it a habit to somehow regularly reflect. Take time away once a day, once a week to just look at, okay, what's been going on in this, in this week? What has given me energy? What has drained my energy? What were those moments? And start to note them down. So even if you talk to somebody to have these reflective moments, then note them down so that you kind of have a collection. Start to collect everything that gives you energy. And then you can start to look at, okay, what are the things that seem to come natural to me? What are the things that I really enjoy doing? What are the things that I go back to all the time? Um, you can question yourself. What are the things if you could, you know, create a day just free for yourself? What is it you would do? What is it you want to do? Uh, start to look at what people come to you for advice for. You know, what are you known for? Um, often, you know, when we are in a corporate world, for example, uh, you know, there's these people that we always go to for certain things and we know they always will have the answer. And, you know, what what is it for you? Do people come to you for advice? Do people come to you because you're such a good listener? Do people come to you because you have the best ideas? Do people come to you because you can create th um, think creatively or connect the dots or see the things nobody else can see? So start to look at that and reflect on that. You can talk to people that you trust. And again, it's important though if you get feedback from others, talk to people that see the good in you. Um, if we go in a work environment, you know, we often at well, 360 assessments. Uh, I do, while I do think feedback from others and 360 assessments are very good if they're prepared well and if they're done properly. Um, the danger is that people focus on the negative um, because, again, everybody is taught to focus on the negative and focus on the weaknesses. So make sure that if you do that collection, that journey yourself, talk to people that see the positive in you and start to ask them, what is my strengths? What do you see as my strengths? What, I'm, what, does make me diff what makes me different in comparison to others? What makes me unique? And that's how you can collect it. And, of course, there's ways to do strength assessment. There's the Clifton Strength Assessment that I use with my clients that also I used for myself um, five or six years ago when I had a really big promotion and uh, it has changed my life. It has, literally has changed my life because I suddenly gained so much confidence and things that I have taken for granted, I realized they were my strength and I could work on these strengths to fine tune them and refine them. And, you know, then I could show up to these strengths and be more confident about it. It's amazing the summary of that journey and that it's just not a one size fits all approach. And that just by doing the little things is probably just going to be help you with the overall bigger picture. And as you said, through those strengths assessment, having those little light bulb moments, there might be something that you think you're doing pretty well or comes easy to you. And as you said, you're like, oh yeah, I'm actually really pretty good at this. And then by realizing what your weaknesses are, you don't have to experience that anxiety that comes along with it. Because I think that as well with all new mums, you've got all these things that you've got to learn so quickly. And often we say there's no guidebook. And as you know, there's, you know, we've done a master's in business management and engineering, but there's nothing actually as much to help you as a mum. And there's all this anxiety that goes and comes along when you first get home from hospital. God, I didn't even know what I was doing. I had absolutely no idea. And then there are some parts of being a mum that you're weaker at. And then there's other parts that you definitely um, get a little bit more that come a little bit easier and, and certainly more confident. Um, and that just generally comes with the territory as well. But I think also acknowledging that as a mum, you can't be amazing at everything. And that, that's also the same with kids and vice versa. So yeah, it's all a bit of a challenge. But I think as well, it's also probably about 
being empowering and really leaning into these strengths um, and knowing that as well. And as you said, your life five years ago was completely changed by knowing your strengths. Yeah, 100%. And as you said, as a mum, we need to acknowledge that we're not good at everything and need to be kind to ourselves. And, you know, that was the good thing when I did my strengths assessment, for example. I realized what I was really good at and I was able to give myself permission to be good at that. And and I also was able to give myself kindness and be kind to myself when I had to do things that didn't come as easy. And of course, to be fair, yes, it sounds like a dreamland. We know our strength and then we create a life just around our strengths. Of course, that's not what's going to happen. You will still you still might be in a certain role and there will always be things that you don't like. Um, or as a mom, there's things that don't come as easily to you, right? Like even now in my business, it's very much aligned to my strength. Um, so that's why it gives me a lot of energy. But of course, especially because I'm on my own. I mean, I have a little bit support here and there, but there's a lot of things that I have to do that might not come as easy. But we can kind of give ourselves a bit more compassion and be like, okay, this this task will take you a little bit more time. So don't beat yourself up that you procrastinate, that you try start again and again and again, and it takes you like hours and it would take others maybe one hour. Just be kind to yourself. And I think it's also about embracing and knowing yourself and it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to acknowledge the weaknesses. And I think that's really the theme about what we're talking about today is that you don't have to be good at everything and really focusing on those strengths and not spending so much time trying to improve your weaknesses and also changing that mindset. Because I think, as you said, we've been taught from such a young age that if you're not doing so well on this, we need to improve it. But instead, actually flipping that mindset around to embracing those strengths and then from there, really growing in confidence into being a better person, man, wife, everything. As a result, you will be happier and you're 100% of your inner self as well. Yeah, 100%. And just to add on one last thing, when you search for your strengths um, or even when you do the assessment, don't expect that it will be something groundbreaking and massive and amazing. Like I think when we look for our strengths, we always look at the things that we perceive to be the successful strengths or the guarantees or your strengths will probably, when you even when you read your report, it will sound very familiar. It's not going to be like, oh my God, wow. It's going to be like, oh yeah, I do that. But the magic is in st- understanding that that's what you do and you take for granted. It is a strength because not everybody does that. So I think it's sometimes the simple things and we just need to start to realize that that's a strength. Not everybody can do this with ease, but you can. So it's about the uniqueness and starting to appreciate that around us. So it's not about finding the most fancy strengths. It's actually just starting to see that what you're already doing, who you already are, that's unique and that's so, so, so powerful. And as we talk about this strengths, uh, people also talk about it strengths with resilience. And we've all experienced those days uh, where I've even had it, where we've mapped out in my head about the way the week is going to go and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And then a child is sick and literally everything's right up in the air and you just kind of have to just get on with it. And I know resilience is tied in with mindset. And so how can we, you know, really manage the strengths and our mindset and then our approach to the way that things going forward and actually being more resilient and helping build ourselves up in that way? Yeah. So, you know, resilience, yes, it's, it's a mindset, but it's also a bit of a, you know, a technique on like a bit of a, I always call it a resilience support kit. And the idea with building resilience is that you build it before things get tough. 
And you always focus, you have to focus on a lot of different areas. I always use the seven C's. So the seven C's stand for your competence. So what is the skills that you already have? What is it that you already know? Maybe through your studies, maybe through the jobs you've done, maybe through becoming a mom, you know, what are the things that you learned and picked up along the way? Then it's around your confidence, right? And that's where your strengths play in. So starting to know yourself really well and just know that you can trust your own abilities. And when you do some strength work, you will realize that your strengths can actually support you for every challenge and every goal. And just knowing that your strengths are there to support you going through, that's what gives you the confidence to even start and take a risk. Yeah. The next point would be, you know, the connection. So what is your support network? Who are the people around you? And and there it's important to look at family, friends, but also professional friends and people that are there to catch you when things happen or people that are there to ask for advice. So investing in these networks, investing in these relationships and always remembering that relationships are give and take. So it needs to be equal relationships where both parties feel like they can contribute to it and both parties feel like they are supported. So look at, you know, how can you invest in some key relationships? It's always important to invest along the way. So, you know, if some things go wrong uh, they are there to help you and they know how they best help you because you've told them before what you need so that's really important uh, then character is very important when it comes to resilience you know it's really important to look at what are your values what do you stand for what are the things that you know are your guiding principles because I always say like if we do things and then you know things get tough or things go wrong or we maybe made a mistake but if we know that we've acted based on our values then we can forgive ourselves really quickly because we know that we've tried the best we could to do the right thing. And there's always factors that, you know, can come into play where things don't work out and, um, you know, where things didn't go so well. So it's important that we know our values as our guiding principles because then we can kind of, you know, be kind to ourselves and know, okay, I acted along my values. It's okay. I feel centered. Then it's around your contribution. You know, what's your bigger purpose? What is, what is it that you're working towards to? What is the greater good that you're creating? Helping people, supporting people, you know, supporting the environment, supporting your family. You know, it doesn't always have to be changing the world type of things. But like, what is it that you, what's your why? What's your bigger picture? Why? You know, why are you here? What do you want to create? And then, of course, coping is another one. And that's when we talk about this, you know, that those are the coping mechanisms that we often talk about when we talk about resilience. So it's your emotional, mental and physical health. So what do you do to, you know, physically stay physically healthy and active? So, of course, it's exercise, it's your um, nutrition, it's your sleep. Then emotionally, what do you do to manage and control your emotions? Because if we don't manage our emotions, that's what drains our energy. And if we don't have enough energy, then when things get tough, it can really um, bring us down. So how do you manage your energy levels? So what do you do? To, how, who do you talk to when things get tough? How good is your emotional intelligence? How, how, much, how can you name your, are you good at naming and identifying your emotions and your triggers? And start to work on this self-awareness. And um, then the mental one is also important, you know, how do you manage your mental overload, make a plan, how do you write things down regularly, you know, what is your, uh, what is your mindfulness practice, taking time out. And again, mindfulness is such a buzzword, it's so important, but again, it doesn't have to mean you have to meditate, it can also mean that you go for a walk, that you paint a picture, you know, that you just sit still with a, a cup of tea in the morning, you know, there, there can be so many little things that work for you. So looking at that, and that, that, these are your coping mechanisms. So you know when things get tough, 
all right, I know if I feel emotionally charged or, you know, a little bit angry, I know that exercise really works really well for me. If I feel overwhelmed, I know I can go for a run and somehow it all will resolve. And suddenly I can see clearly, like it's about seeing clearly. Or I know I need to talk to people about it. Or I know I need to journal and write things down. So these are your coping mechanisms. So it doesn't even get that far that you need to be really resilient. And then the last point is to know your circle of control. So what are the things you actually can influence or impact directly? And what are the things that are totally out of your hand? And I think regularly reflecting on that is also important because how many times do we, you know, worry about things that we actually have no influence on, that we can't change, we can't do anything about it because it's completely out of our hands. And we waste so much emotional energy on those things. And again, that drains our energy bucket. And when then other things get tough, we don't have the energy for those or we don't have the energy for, you know, our kids. And then we doubt ourselves. We are angry at ourselves. And then, you know, the spiral starts and we go into a hole. So how are you making sure that you really only worry about the things that you can control and then make an action plan instead of worrying about it? So it's about these seven C's that I think um, is, is just very important and that will help you to build your resilience support kit and make sure that you, you are ready when things get tough. That's a great way of summarizing it, the seven C's. Yeah, it's a really good, easy way to remember. Yeah, so what was the seven C's again? So it's competence, confidence, connection, character, contribution, coping, and control. The quicker you can adapt to change, um, the quicker you can be okay with it. Um, and that's, I think, the key. And that's the resilience support pack there will kind of help you in that way. And I just need to make sure that I don't take credit for the seven C's. So it's actually um, based on a book by Ginsberg and Jablo. Uh, that's where I found this framework. And I think it works really well for everybody else. So that's why I use it and share it. So coaching is really an enabler to help you level up and take that next step, isn't it? Yeah, and coaching is really... Um, a way for you to go a bit deeper, you know, like, yes, we can do self-awareness um, activities, like I mentioned before, but it's really hard to challenge us to really go beyond what we tell ourselves and what we make up in our head. We have so many like movies that play in our head that we assume is the reality. So even if we do regular self-awareness, um, exercise and reflections, there still will be certain things that we make up in our head and we start to believe them. And a coach can really help you to unlock all that. And a coach is there to just keep asking you the right questions. Still giving advice, it depends on what kind of coach it is, you know, they can help you explain things a little bit clearer and they can help you to go just a little bit beyond so that you can start to open these apps uh, up, understand your blocks and understand your capabilities. And with regards to a strength coach, it's really about helping you see your strength, helping you see how unique and powerful you are, helping you see a path forward, helping you see how your strengths can actually enable you to achieve your goals and your challenges, overcome your challenges. And showing like a mirror to so you can finally see how amazing you are. And that's what a strengths coach can do for you. But the most important thing is that a coach in general can help you to unlock your potential. So I wanted to ask about coaching and the benefits and just quickly, when would you suggest that people look for a coach? I actually think everybody should have a coach, um, you know, and regularly work with someone. I know it's also an investment and uh, there's different ways, you know, there's group programs, there's one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, you can also have a mentor who can act a bit like a coach. It's not so much about having it all the time, but I think um, 
any time is a good time because there's always something you can unlock for yourself. There's more potential for you. There's always things that, you know, they can help you work through or do even better. And I think a lot of people, and that's another thing that I found in my career was that often in my corporate career, coaching was done as an intervention. And so it was actually put into place when it was already too late, when individuals already had messed up or had some messed up. That's probably also not the right way of putting it, but already were in a situation of conflict or total overwhelm, you know, where they weren't able to do their job properly, or maybe they've damaged some relationships um, along the way. And then it was done as an intervention. So the problem was that in coaching be became something with a bit of a negative spin and um, like only people who are not performing need a coach. So it was almost like sometimes people didn't want to say they had a coach. It was something to be a bit like, you know, ashamed about. And I find that so sad because I actually think that the people who engage a coach are the most clever people out there because they know that's the way to unlock their best potential and to be in their best headspace. It's the same as, you know, going to see a psychologist from time to time. There's this whole stigma around it. And luckily I find Australia is very, um, you know, forthcoming with that, that it's such a big topic with regards to mental health and it starts to become less and less of a taboo to talk about it and to be ashamed about it. And I think that's so important too. like go and talk to a psychologist. It's the same thing. I think that everybody at some point in their life should go and talk to somebody. And again, not when it's too late, when you're already struggling in a deep hole, start when you start to feel like, oh, this is starting to get a bit hard. See a psychologist if you think that can help. See a coach. And important coaches are not psychologists. So there's a good space for a psychologist and there's good space for coaches. So I'm not comparing those two. But I think there's moments in time where it's really important and we just need to release the shame. I think the people who invest in that and invest in their self-development, they show real self-leadership. They know they have more to offer. They know they have a bigger potential or they know they have a few little things that, you know, hold them back and they want to work on them. So I think it's um, actually very powerful and it shows a big character. And um, yeah, it shows who is a courageous leader and who has all the potential. It's your internal locus of control. You're in control of how you want to react to situations. Um, I've seen a psychologist a few years ago um, when I was at a point in my life where, you know, a lot of things kind of went wrong for me in, and I was had a lot of internal things I had to break through. And I also realized that I couldn't put it onto my friends anymore like that was a bit unfair so you know I found that that was for me the best way to unlock it and I had a few appointments and it was so good and just taking I always found just making that first appointment that already created for me so much energy because I took action I took charge I was not just victim to my thoughts that were running in my head and were impacting my emotional energy so yeah I think it's something to be proud of because we unlock our potential we help ourselves when we need to and that's what it is all about it's taking self-leadership taking ownership and control of your life your thoughts your behaviors and taking action and investing in yourself if you invest in yourself you know that's when you show that you love yourself and you appreciate yourself well I always ask everyone how do you feel your cup I like to exercise. I love to lift weights and go to the gym. Um, so that's what I try to do as much as I can. I'm glad the gyms are back open. Hopefully they stay open in this time. And um, yeah, I love talking to my friends. I need to talk uh, things through. I like, you know, talking about what's going on and that always helps me to connect with my friends. Um, and yeah, those are kind of the main things. Oh yeah, and I like to be creative. I do sing. I've been uh, singing my whole life. So I sing in a choir. And I really enjoy that. That always helps me in the connection. And I do like to paint um, as well. I don't do it as often, but I've been recently thinking a lot that I want to start. So the next few weeks I will get my paint brushes out again and start to paint. 
Well, Anne, thank you so much for your time. It has certainly been a pleasure. Where can people connect and engage with you a little bit more? Um, yeah, so my webpage is um, annkoopman.com. It's Koopman with two N, but even if you spell it with one N, like most Australians do, uh, you will find me. Um, <laughs> and then you can find me on socials. I'm very active on LinkedIn, uh, just under Anne Koopman Schmidt. So you can uh, connect or follow me there. And I'm very active daily on Instagram, which is at annkoopman underscore lead like you. And so I show up there almost daily in my stories and posts and give leadership advice all around self-leadership, courageous leadership and your leadership toolbox that you need to show up as a leader. Thank you, Anne. Once again, I know that I've certainly learned a lot out of this today and really appreciate your time. So everyone connect with Anne on Instagram, LinkedIn, her website and, and thanks again and we'll see you around. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. This was really fun. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Working Mama podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast catch-up. I invite you also to join the Working Mama community on Facebook and join in the conversation with other like-minded working mums. Please also feel free to contact me on any of the Working Mama social channels. Remember, Mama is M-U-M-M-A via Instagram or website www.workingmama.com.au. I would appreciate you to share this podcast with friends and colleagues, especially those that are parents managing the juggle. And I would really appreciate if you had to take the time out to leave a review of the podcast. Thank you and see you next time. Have a great week.